Hello everyone and welcome back to Latin 2 from the Church of St. Agnes. Today we are going to concentrate on our drills and exercises for unit number 22. I hope you're having a good week and you're studying your Latin. Let's turn to pages 190 and following and dive into our exercises. First of all, uh, our drills on uh, the bottom of page 190 under Roman numeral 1, which is uh, drilling us on some purpose clauses. You were assigned to do the first six short sentences, so let's take a look at them. Vir clamat ut audiatur. Okay, so we know that these are purpose clauses because they say so. So we're going, to, uh, we're going to see clauses that are introduced by, mostly by ut and the subjunctive. And this, uh, this series will demonstrate how the sequence of tense works. So in that first one, vir klamat, the man cries out or calls out, shouts, ut audiatur, in order audiatur, that he might be heard. Notice, audio, audire, fourth conjugation. We have the present subjunctive here, and it's passive. So the man shouts or cries out. That's the present tense. So when we're dealing with uh, complex sentences that will use the sequence of tenses, go back to that chart. Klamat is a present tense. Therefore, it's a primary tense, number one on your chart. And you're going to use either a present or a perfect subjunctive, depending on the time sequence. And as we said, since purpose clauses are always time subsequent to the main verb, we will be using present subjunctive. And that's what we have, audiator. So the man cries out to be heard, in order to be heard. Number two, notice what happens. We change the tense in the main sentence. And now we're in the secondary sequence, so the bottom half of the chart. The man cried out in order to be heard, in order that he might be heard. And notice what has to happen. The subjunctive changes from a present subjunctive to an imperfect subjunctive. Audiretur. Remember, we form the imperfect subjunctive by um, going to the, the infinitive of the verb second principal part, and we add our uh, ending, and here we have the tour ending, which is the uh, third person um, passive ending. So the man cried out in order to be heard. Now, look at three. Here we have vir clamavit, perfect tense, ut audiator, but the present subjunctive. And here we have that use of the perfect tense that is that perfective aspect, that a past uh, action continuing into the present. So it's con considered still in present time. The man has cried out in order that he might be heard. And we have the present subjunctive. All of those show the uh, use of ut plus a subjunctive to express purpose. Uh, let's take a look at number uh, four. Servus in domum intrat, ut cenam preparet. Okay, the servant 
indomum intra, enters into the house, intrad is present. So we're going to be in the top half of that chart. The servant enters the house, ut, preparat, in order to prepare the dinner. Preparat is the present subjunctive from preparo, uh, first conjugation, e is the sign of the subjunctive in the present. I think that's pretty straightforward. Take a look at five. Servus adomo ex iverat ne amagistro vocaretur. Okay, so this is a little more complicated, but take a look. Your main sentence, servus adomo ex iverat. The servant ex iverat. Notice from the verb eo ire, ex eo, to go out. Ex iverat, pluperfect indicative. The servant had exited or had left Adomo from the house. Now we have a negative purpose clause, ne, in order not to be called a magistro by the teacher. Ne plus the subjunctive. And because ex iverat, the main verb in the main clause, is a secondary tense, we're in the bottom half of the chart, and to show um, subsequent or contemporaneous action to the main verb, vocaretur has to be in the imperfect subjunctive. So the servant had been, or had exited from the house in order not to be called by the teacher, or lest he be called by the teacher. Sometimes we use the old English word lest in the negative purpose clause. Good. So, um, secondary sequence, imperfect subjunctive in the subordinate clause. We have a negative purpose clause here introduced by the, uh, uh, the particle ne rather than ut. And number six, Jesus apostolos misit qui evangelizarent. That's a mouthful, isn't it? Evangelizarent. Okay. Jesus misit apostolos. He sent the apostles qui, who literally evangelizarent, might evangelize. Now here we have a very good example of the relative clause of purpose. We could have used an ut here instead of the qui. Jesus sent the apostles in order that they might evangelize or preach the gospel, right? But here, with a verb of motion of sending, particularly in the main clause, we will often see when, when people are involved, uh, who, we ask the question who in the, in the subordinate clause, a relative pronoun, qui, taking the place of the ut. So Jesus sent apostles who might evangelize. We would, in English, normally just say, Jesus sent the apostles to evangelize or in order to preach the gospel. That's a good example of the relative clause of purpose, using a relative pronoun to introduce the subjunctive rather than the ut. Ut would be acceptable and will often appear, but with these kinds of sentences, you will sometimes see the relative pronoun introducing the subjunctive. Evangelizarent is the imperfect subjunctive because we're in the second half of the chart, the bottom half of the chart. The main verb is a secondary tense, misit. Okay. 
Now let's take a look at Roman numeral two, the first six sentences, in order to drill a bit on indirect commands, or what I also call just of noun clauses. Indirect commands, these are noun clauses that uh, actually uh, function as the object of the main verb, which is one of asking, commanding, ordering, exhorting, urging, and so on. So the first one, de precemur mariam pro nobis orare. Okay, so we have de precemur. Now we see that that's present subjunctive, independent use of the subjunctive. So it's a, a, it's a let us subjunctive, right? Let us beg Mary or pray to Mary pro nobis orare. Orare, to pray pro nobis, on our behalf or for us. Now here we have an indirect command that decides to use the infinitive rather than the ut clause. This is acceptable, particularly in ecclesiastical Latin. Um, more often than not, in classical Latin, or almost always in classical Latin, you would see an ut clause to uh, do the indirect command. Uh, but here we see uh, an infinitive. So let us beg or pray to Mary to pray pro nobis on our behalf, right? Notice, de preche more, more ending. It's a passive form, but de precor, remember, is a deponent verb. Therefore, we uh, translate it actively. Okay, number two. Oremus deum nobis debita nostra dimitre. Here we have again um, an indirect command using the infinitive. Oremus, let us pray to God, Deum, let us beg God, let us beseech God. There's the let us subjunctive again, the hortatory uh, or justice subjunctive in the first person plural. Let us pray to God. We say Oremus all the time at Mass. The priest says when he turns around, Oremus, let us pray, right? Let us pray to God or let us pray God. Nobis debita nostra dimitre, to dismiss or forgive debita nostra, our sins, nobis, in reference to us. Uh, that nobis is a little bit redundant, but it's good Latin. Uh, it's the dative, isn't it? It's the dative case, uh, the dative of interest, um, the dative of advantage in this case, uh, to our advantage. Let us pray to God to dismiss our sins in reference to us. We don't even have to say that, but to, 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 to forgive our sins, we would just say. And the nobis intensifies that. Now, take a look at that sentence and compare it to sentence number three. Oramus Deum ut nobis debita nostra dimitat. We pray to God, or we beg God, ut, to dimitat, to forgive debita nostra, our sins, in reference to us. So here we have uh, the use of an indirect command. We see an indirect command the, introduced by a verb of begging or praying or urging, ordering, and it introduces the ut clause, which is the common way to do this in classical Latin and very often in ecclesiastical Latin, and the subjunctive. Because we are in the primary sequence, oramos is a present tense, in the main verb, therefore we're in the top half of the chart, we will use the present subjunctive, dimitat.
We pray to God that he dismisses or forgives our sins. Nobis, in reference to us. Again, just like the sentence above it, except their ecclesiastical Latin chose to use the infinitive rather than ut plus the subjunctive. Okay, number four. Paulus monuit fratres ut mandata servarent. Here we have a good example of a justive noun clause or an indirect command. Paul advised or admonished fratres, the brethren, the brothers, ut, that servarent, they preserve mandata, the mandates or the commandments. Paul admonished or advised the brothers. That's the main sentence. Notice, monowit, perfect tense. Therefore, we're in the secondary sequence, the bottom half of the chart. We're going to need to use an imperfect subjunctive in the subordinate clause, and that's what we have, servarent, imperfect subjunctive. Paul advised or admonished the brothers to preserve the commandments, that they preserve the commandments. That's an indirect command. Um, the whole clause really functions as the object of what he advised the brothers. Good. And number five, Jesus apostolis dixit ut evangelizarent. Okay, so here again, we have Jesus dixit apostolis, told to the apostles, ut he told the apostles, ut evangelizare, that they evangelize, that they preach the gospel. Notice, it's an indirect command, just of noun clause. What did he tell the apostles? That they evangelize. Notice, evangelizare is in the imperfect subjunctive. Why? Because the main verb is dixit. So we're in the bottom half of that chart, that sequence of tense chart. It's very important to look at and remember. We're in the bottom half because dixit is a secondary tense and therefore that dictates that anything subsequent to the main verb, a contemporaneous or subsequent time to the main verb, has to be in the imperfect subjunctive. And that's why we have evangelizarent. Okay, so Jesus told the apostles to preach the gospel or to evangelize. Now notice, number six, same idea with the verb usit, and here we could have had the ut clause, but you also will see very often, particularly with the verb ubeo, you will see the infinitive. Jesus usit apostolos evangelizare. Jesus ordered the apostles to evangelize, to preach the gospel. As I said, we could have said ut evangelizarent again here, but with the verb ubeo, you will often see that with an infinitive. So, the, those two drills showing purpose clauses, indirect commands, fairly simple sentences illustrating both the use of the subjunctive, but particularly the use in terms of the sequence of tenses. And that chart that we told you to commit to memory, which is very important. Okay, good. Now let's take a look at our exercises. Uh, we were doing the even-numbered exercises this week. Uh, so let's proceed, starting with number two. Planctus mulierum ad lacrimas et curam Jesum movit. 
Plantus mulierum, the wailing or the lament of the women, mulierum, notice that's the genitive plural, third, conju uh, third declension, movit, moved, what did it move? Jesu, moved Jesus, ad lacrimas et cura, to tears and to care, right? Ad takes the accusative there, so uh, lacrimas et cura, are the uh, objects of the uh, preposition ad. Yesum is the accusative object of movit. The wailing or lament of the women moved Jesus to tears and care. Very good. Number four. Tolat crucem et sequatur me. Now we see tolat et sequatur and we see, if you look at those verbs carefully, they are uh, third conjugation, and a is the sign of the present subjunctive. We hear a liar friar, tolat. So let him raise up or take up crucem, the cross, et sequatur me, and follow me. These are jussive subjunctives, aren't they? Let him raise up his cross et sequatur, and follow me. Notice sequor has tour ending on it. Why? Because it's a deponent verb. Remember, deponent verbs have passive endings, but active meanings. So let him carry or let him pick up his cross and follow me, follow. Both subjunctives. Very good. Um, number six. Commune aut immundum numquam introivit in os meum, from Acts of the Apostles. Commune aut immundum. Notice, those are singular neuter things. The common or the impure thing, right? Not uh, us or a, masculine or feminine, but these are neuter. So they're adjectives standing for a neuter noun. The common or impure thing never introivit entered in us, into my mouth, in plus the accusative. This is, uh, I think, Paul speaking. Uh, so the common or uh, the common thing or the uh, impure or unclean thing never entered into my mouth. There you have it. Pretty straightforward. Let's take a look at number eight. Confiteor tibi pater, domine celi etere. Okay, so confiteor means to confess, but it also means to confess not just, uh, you can use it in two ways. You can confess your sins, for instance, but you can also confess uh, or profess in the sense of giving glory. And that's what uh, the sense is here, isn't it? Because it says, I confess you, I, I glorify you, Pater, Father, Domine Celi Etere, Lord of heaven and earth. And the important thing here is when confidior is used in that sense to sort of glorify, to profess, uh, it takes the dative. And notice Domine. The vocative of U.S. nouns of the second declension. So, father is the third declension noun. That's vocative, 
And then Domine, that's in a positive, Father, Lord of heaven and earth. So I profess you, I confess you, I glorify you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth. Okay, good. Let's take a look at number 10 on page 192. Glorificate ergo Deum in corpore vestro, from Corinthians. Uh, I think that's pretty straightforward. Glorificate, that T-E ending, as you will recognize, is the plural imperative ending. Glorify God, therefore, ergo, in your body. Um, yes, uh, he's speaking to the Corinthians and talking about how our bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit and so forth. So glorify God in your body, right? Pretty straightforward sentence there. Let's take a look at uh, 12 then. Non enim co utuntur. He says that's co plus utuntur. Judei Samaritanis. Okay, so co utuntur, we see that's plural. And we say Judei is plural. The Judei are the subject, aren't they? The Jews, the Jews do not co utuntur. Utur means to use or enjoy. It's one of those verbs, five verbs, fruor, fungor, podior, westgor, utor, that take the ablative as their objects. So it literally says the, the, the Jews do not co-enjoy the Samaritans. Well, that means they're not friendly with, they don't, they, they don't um, uh, communicate with, they, they're not friends with, okay? So the Jews do not um, communicate with or... Uh, have connection with the Samaritans. Um, and that comes from the Gospel of John, um, the fourth uh, chapter, where Jesus meets the woman at the well. And remember, the apostles were kind of shocked to see Jesus talking to the Samaritan woman because Jews generally are not friends with the Samaritans, as this sentence says. Okay, number 14. Ego sum qui loquor tecum. Uh, again from John, when he says to the woman, Ego sum, I am he. Remember we talked about Ego sum, Ego emi in Greek. I am. He's declaring not only who he is, but that he is I am who am. Ego sum, I am he, qui, who, uh, I am the one who is speaking with you, tecum locor. I am he who I am speaking. We say, in English, we have to say, I am he who is speaking with you. But notice in Latin, we say locor in the first person because it is the first person still speaking. Um, little strangeness in translation there. We can't quite do it in English in the way Latin does. So ego sum, I am he, I am, I am, I am the one who is speaking with you. Uh, he says that to John or in John, to the woman at the well. She says, you know, tell me who this person is who can give me uh, eternal life, who gives me the kind of water that will be the water of eternal life so I don't have to come back to the well every day and draw water. Good. Um, number 16. Again, we're sticking with uh, that chapter in John. Ex civitate autem illa. Multi crediderunt in eum Samaritanorum, propter verbum mulieris testimonium per hibentis. Uh, 
Dixit mihi omnia, que cum que feci. Okay, so a rather long sense, but not too complicated. Ex civitate altum illa. And so, however, from that city, civitate illa, multi crediderunt in eum Samaritanorum. Many of the Samaritanorum, many of the Samaritans, crediderunt, believed in eum, in him, propter verbum, on account of the word, right? Propter verbum, propter texi accusative. Then we have the genitive, mulieris, of the woman. Now, what kind of woman is she? Testimonium perhibentis. Perhibentis is the participle from perhibeo. It modifies woman. What kind of woman is she? She is a woman perhibentis testimonium, offering or providing testimony or witness. So many of the Samaritans, you remember the story, believed in him on account of the word of the woman. What kind of woman? The woman who gave testimony about him or offered testimony. The woman offering testimony. And this is what she said. Quote, Dixit mihi omnia. He said to me, omnia, all things, quecumque feci, whatsoever I have done. He told me everything that I have done. Remember? He says, uh, you know, you don't have one husband, you actually have five, and so on and so forth. And she says to him, I see that you are a prophet. So uh, this was her testimony. He said to me, he told me all the things which I have done. Que cumque feci, which I have done. Uh, good sense, uh, right from the gospel. And uh, not too difficult in Latin if you take it uh, word by word and Watch your uh, grammatical connections there. Okay, good. Well, let's take a look at number 18. Pater. Nostri memorans filium misit, qui asceleribus nostris nos liberarit. Ah, good sentence. Notice we have a compound sentence here. Let's take it from the beginning. Pater, father. Nostri memorans. Now, memorans is what? A participle, right? That NS ending shows you that it's nominative, singular, masculine, modifying the only thing it can there, pater. What kind of father is he? He's a memorans nostri. And remember, verbs of remembering and forgetting will take the genitive. That's why we have nostri. The father, mindful of us, or remembering us, memorans nostri, Filium misit, he sent the Son, right? This is God the Father, obviously, and sending his Son, Jesus. There's your main sentence. The Father sent the Son. Now, we have qui, who, the Son, who, sheleribus uh, nostris, from our sins or crimes, nos liberaret, he might free us. Here we have a perfect, nice, beautiful example of the relative clause of purpose. It's a purpose clause. You can tell that because we have liberaret in the imperfect subjunctive. Why? Because the main verb, misit, is a secondary tense, so we're in the bottom half of the chart. We have an imperfect subjunctive in the subordinate clause. We could have had an ut here. The Father sent the Son ut in order to free us, liberaret nos, 
from us, sheleribus nostris, from our sins, our crimes, right? But instead of the ut, we have a qui with a person in the relative clause, a relative clause instead of the ut, and the main verb, often a verb of sending or motion, so that we have the perfect elements for a relative clause of purpose. As I say, and I've repeated now at least five times, that qui could have been an ut, but Latin can do it either way, and here we have a nice example of a relative clause of purpose. The Father, mindful of us, sent the Son to free us from our sins. Qui liberati, who might free us from our sins, literally, but it is a purpose clause. Okay, let's take a look at number 20. Profiteamur fidem nostram in Christo Jesu. Okay, profiteamur, we hear a liar friar, right? We have a second conjugation verb. We have a present subjunctive. First person plural, we're going to think independent use of the subjunctive. Ah, yes, a hortatory or just a subjunctive. Let us profess fidem nostrum, what? Our faith in Christo Jesu, in Christ Jesus. So it's a hortatory subjunctive, it's urging, a let us subjunctive, let us profess our faith in Christ Jesus. Oh, very good, that's an easy, straightforward sense. Hope you noticed that it was subjunctive. Uh, okay, number 22. Apostoli Iesum interrogabant de patris misericordia. That's a nice, straightforward sentence. Apostoli Iesum interrogabant. The apostles interrogabant, interrogated, were interrogating, right? They asked Jesus, de patris misericordia, about the misericordia patris, about the, the mercy or pity or mercy of the Father, the Father's mercy. Uh, interrogabant, uh, of course, an imperfect tense um, from the compounded rogo, to ask or ask about. We get the word interrogate, of course, from that. So, straightforward sentence there. Let's take a look at number 24. Ioannes primum venit ut maior sequeretur. Okay, so we see that ut. We're going to expect a clause coming with the subjunctive, and in fact, before we even think about English, we see sequeretur, imperfect subjunctive. Why? Because venit is the perfect tense uh, in the main verb, the main clause. So you're down in the second half of the chart, the secondary tenses, and you know that a purpose clause or a relative, whatever kind of clause following there, um, will demand an imperfect subjunctive. So, Johannes, John, first vein it came, right? What? In order that, myor. Now, myor is in the nominative. So, he has to be the subject of the what uh, clause. That a greater one, myor, remember magnus is good, big or great, Maior is the comparative, a greater one, sequerator, might follow. He's talking about Jesus, of course. John came first so that a greater one might follow. Um, notice, it's not that he might follow a greater one because then Maior would have to be the accusative, Maiorem. But Maior is the nominative, so it's the subject of the subjunctive clause 
ut maior sequerator. So John first came so that a greater one might follow. And that's, of course, Jesus. Notice sequerator. It has um, passive endings, but active meaning because sequor is a deponent verb. Right? Sequor, sequor. It's a third conjugation verb. And we pretend like um, there's an infinitive there, sequere. And to that, you just add the tour ending. Okay. Um, number 26. Corona spinorum gloriae corona. Ah, we don't have a verb here, notice. And when we don't have a verb, we have to assume what verb most commonly? Yes, the verb to be. Corona spinorum gloriae corona. We need a nest in there. The crown of thorns, the crown of glory, or the crown of thorns is the crown of glory. Now notice that it's kind of a motto almost, corona spinorum gloriae corona. Notice the word order, corona spinorum gloriae corona. This is what we call a chiastic word order. It comes from the Greek letter key, and it looks like an X. And the, the chi chiasmus is a word order that uh, demonstrates an A-B-B-A order. So if you take a look, corona, we have nominative, spinorum, we have genitive, gloriae, we have genitive, corona, we have nominative. So we have A-B-B-A. And if you mark your letters around the ends of the X or the key in Greek, um, that's how they would consider uh, the, uh, the making of a key or a chiasmus. We call it chiastic arrangement, A-B-B-A order. So the crown of thorns is the crown of glory. We have to substitute is. Or we can just say the crown of thorns, the crown, a crown of glory. Uh, and there you have it. Very good. Okay, number 28. Cantibus letis fratres confitentur domino. Okay, so the fratres is the subject. Cantibus letis is, can't be the subject, right? With that ending, that's an ablative, isn't it? So the brothers, confitentur, are confessing or praising domino. Domino, when that verb confitior means, remember, uh, to praise, and to confess in such a way as to praise or to glorify, then it takes the dative. They are, the brothers, the brethren are uh, praising the Lord. And how are they doing this? Contibus laetis, by means of happy or joyous songs or chants. Contibus, cantus, cantus, right? The fourth declension word, contibus in the ablative. Laetis modifying it with joyful chants, the brothers praise the Lord. There you have it. Uh, even though we didn't do number 29, you will recognize ad maiorum dei gloriam, which is the motto of the Jesuits, for the greater glory of God, ad maiorum dei gloriam. Sometimes just A-M-D-G. When I was a kid, we would often write that on our papers and in uh, grade school on our on our assignments up in the heading amdg for the greater glory of god so that's something for you to recall uh in our final one here um 
uh, jubeamus dominum nos servare ne amit amitamur. Ah, interesting sentence here. Jubeamus dominum. Jubeamus. There we have the word jubeo, but the a aamus, the ea, tells you what? It's subjunctive. We hear a liar fry, right? Jubeo. So, um, let us order the Lord, or request the Lord, no servare, to save us. Um, that's the main sentence, isn't it? Jubeamus dominum no servare. Let us bid or beg or order the Lord to save us. Then we have ne amitamor, a negative purpose clause. Remember ne, uh, or actually here, a negative uh, noun clause or indirect command, isn't it? Because we're bidding or asking the Lord to do something to save us. Oh no, I, I, I'm sorry. We have the we have the we have the uh, the clause of ordering with the infinitive here because of ubio. But then we have the ne amitamur, in order that we not be lost. So let us order or bid the Lord to preserve or save us, in order that we might not be lost. That's a negative purpose clause. Ne amitamur. Notice we are in the primary sequence because the main verb is an independent use of the subjunctive, ubeamus, present, therefore we're in the top half of the chart, amitamur, third conjugation, present subjunctive, passive, that we not be lost. And that is um, the present subjunctive according to the sequence of tense. So we have a, uh, an ordering clause here with the infinitive, ubeo, with the infinitive, let us order the Lord or bid the Lord to preserve us and then the negative purpose clause, in order that we might not be lost. Okay? So that's a, an interesting and nice sentence which shows uh, two subjunctives functioning in very different ways. Okay. Um, and uh, we didn't do 31, but here we have a similar sentence in that we've got a petamus, we have a justice subjunctive, uh, followed by an ut clause. Let us ask or seek from Jesus, a Jesu, ut, that, claritas vultus sereni, that the clarity or beauty of his serene uh, face, nobis apparet, might shine upon us, might appear to us, might show itself to us. Apareat, present subjunctive. Notice we're in primary sequence, therefore we're in the top half of the chart. Okay. So I hope you're getting the, the sequence of tense and so forth and um, seeing how it functions. I think in reading Latin to English, it's not nearly so hard. If we were making you uh, compose in Latin, you'd really have to know the rules of your chart. Uh, but once you see it in Latin, uh, I think you can make the, uh, the appropriate translation without too much difficulty. Later on, when we get a few other sorts of clauses, We'll have to be a little bit more discriminating because um, we can see mixed uh, usages there that we'll talk about later. But for now, with the use of uh, the purpose clause and the relative clause of purpose and the just of noun clause or the uh, indirect command, it's pretty straightforward. Uh, now, we uh, said that the first reading we were not going to do for an assignment. 
That's the confitier and the uh, tridentine mass, uh, which is generally uh, like the, the newer confitior, but the old one contains a lot more uh, saints uh, that you're confessing to. Uh, and um, uh, I think it's, uh, personally, I like it better, but um, at any rate, uh, I think you can read that one pretty carefully. But we were going to do number two, um, which is the reading of the beginning, Lexio Principii, the reading of the beginning of the Sancti Evangelii of the Holy Gospel, Secundum Ioannum, according to John. And again, if you go to uh, the uh, Mass uh, in uh, the extraordinary form, or what we used to call the Tridentine Rite, uh, at the last Gospel, you will hear or you will read, the priest says this silently, you will read in your missiles uh, this last Gospel, which in fact is a portion of the first chapter of John's Gospel. So, here we have it. In principio erat verbum, et verbum erat apud Deum, et Deus erat verbum. In principio, I think we know this fairly well, but uh, you can, it's fun to see it there in Latin, isn't it? In the beginning, erat verbum was the word. Et verbum erat apodem. And the word was apodem. Uh, literally, in the presence of God, at the house, in the house of God, we say apod me. In Latin means at my house, apod. In the presence of God, et Deus erat verbum. And God was the word. In Greek, right? And arche en hologos. Kaiologos in proston theon, and so on. So in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with or in the presence of God, and God was the Word. Hoc erat in principio apodem. This hoc erat was in principio, in the beginning apodem, with God or in the presence of God. Right? Omnia per ipsum facta sunt. Just take that part. Omnia per ipsum facta sunt. All things facta sunt were made per ipsum, through him, through that very one. Ipsum there, an intensifier. We'll talk about that. I think you get that word later on in Collins. Through him. Et sine ipso, and without him, factum es nihil. Nihil the subject. Without him, factum es nihil. Nothing was made, factum es Nothing happened, nothing factum et from facio, facere. Nothing happened, nothing was made, nothing was done. Nothing was made, nothing was made, quod factum est, which was made. And it's strange, there's no, uh, there's no uh, comma there or punctuation. In ip, uh, but there should be really, in ipso vita erat, in him vita erat, there was life, life was et vita erat lux hominum, and life was the lux hominum, what? The light of human beings, of men, of humankind. Et lux in tenebris lucet, et lux and the light in tenebris in the darkness lucet, shines, Sh shone, it was, sh it was shining, right? Et tenebre eam non comprehenderunt, and the darkness or the shadows, tenebre, that's what tenebre means, tenebre, eam non comprehenderunt. 
there's the verb, the shadows did not overcome Aam, it, referring back to the light. Okay? Um, comprehendo, of course, is the word prehendo in Latin, means to seize, to grab. Comprehendo means to seize it strongly, but we also get the metaphorical use of seizing when we comprehend something in our mind, when we seize it in our minds, therefore we comprehend or understand it. The darkness did not overwhelm it or seize it. Sometimes you could even think the darkness, the shadows did not comprehend it, did not take it in, the light. Okay. Fuit homo misus adeo. Cui nomen erat Ioannes. There was homo, a man, misus, sent from God. A man was sent from God. Cui homo, cui nomen erat Ioannes. To whom was the name Ioannes? There's a dative of possession. The name to whom was John. Who, we might say whose name was John, who had the name John. So we're talking about John the Baptist here, aren't we? There was a man sent from God, or a man was sent from God, to whom the name was John, or whose name was John. Okay? Hic venit in testimonium. This man, this one, that refers back to John, venit, came into testimonium, into witness, into the testimony. Ut testimonium perhibere de lumine. In order, here we have a nice uh, purpose clause. He came for, the, for witness or for testimony in order to perhibere, to offer or provide testimony, testimony or witness, de lumine, about the light. That's a nice purpose clause. Notice you have vainted in the main sentence. You're in the secondary tenses, the second half of the chart, the bottom half of the chart. That's why perhibere has to be Imperfect subjunctive. He came in order to give. Uh, he came for testimony in order to give testimony, de lumine about the light. Ut, another ut clause. In order that omnes crederent perinum. In order that all might crederent perinum might believe through him, or through his agency. Right. Good. In order that all another another ut clause another purpose clause, crederent. And again we have. The imperfect subjunctive, following our sequence of tense, in order that all might believe through him. Non erat ille lux. That one, ille, non erat lux. He was not that light. He was not the light. That one was not the light. Right? He was not that light that we talked about. Said, but, and now we have to understand something because we have an ut clause following, ut testimonium per hiberet de lumine. He was not that light, but understood he came into the world, he came in order that he might, again, as he repeats it, offer testimony de lumine, about the light. Right? Okay. And then we have that, that sort of final uh, sentence here, erat lux vera, that light was true, the light was the true light, que which 
illuminat. He's talking about the light that John testified to. That was indeed the true light, Jesus, of course. Que illuminat. Who illuminates omnem hominem. Every human being, every man. And then veniens in mundum. Coming into the world. Now notice the participle veniens. Interesting here. Um, veniens is the participle from venio, right? And it's in the nominative here, isn't it? So it has to refer back to what? Something in the nominative, in this sense, has to be the vera lux, the true light. He, the true light was the one, he was the true light, the one that John testified to. He was the true light, which illuminates every man. The true light coming into the world. Now notice, this could be in English a dangling participle. And in fact, in some manuscripts, I know this from having taught the fourth gospel many times, in some manuscripts and in some versions, we will see not veni ens in the nominative, but veni entem in mundum. Now, if it says veni ens, as our text does here, the coming into the world person is the true light. And he was the true light coming into the world, which illuminates every man. If it says veni entem, that too could mean uh, something, but a little bit different. This one was the true light who illuminates every man. What kind of man? Every man who comes into the world. And then it would modify hominem. So if the, if the participle were veni entem, as we see in some manuscripts, it would be modifying man in the accusative, which is the accusative after illuminat, the true light which illumines every man or every person coming into the world. Here, veniens in the nominative modifies erat lux, referring to Jesus. He was the true light coming into the world, which illuminates or brightens up, shines upon every human being. Okay? Enlightens every human being. So, that nice passage, it's not quite the full uh, last gospel as uh, pronounced at the, uh, at the Extraordinary Forum Mass, but uh, a good chunk of it. And um, very, very famous, obviously, um, uh, passage from the Scriptures. Well, that concludes our uh, homework for Unit 22. Um, we were concentrating on purpose uh, clauses and indirect commands and some other uses of the subjunctive. I hope that uh, this has been clear to you. I hope that you understand all of the sentences that we reviewed. If you have any questions, please don't hesitate to drop me an email. Um, best wishes for a good week. Uh, I hope you're finding some time to study your Latin. Keep up with it. Uh, and uh, we will continue on. You're really getting into things now that uh, will solidify and really uh, round out your knowledge of Latin and will enable you to read uh, certainly um, most of the Latin in the Liturgy of the Mass and uh, many other liturgical and ecclesiastical texts. So stick with it. Have a great week, and we'll be back with you again uh, next Sunday. Take care.